One should therefore avoid bad company and associate only with devotees, with their realized instructions. Such saints can cut the knot connecting one with activities unfavorable to devotional service. This verse quoted by Kapiraj Goswami it's from the Srimad Bhagavatam, 11th canto, 26th chapter, where Lord Sri Krishna is speaking to Uddhava. And he is relating to him the story of King Pururava. King Pururava was a very great king, very pious king, and a great hero as well. And from this story, many lessons we can learn. When one does great things in this world, then one attracts the attention of Maya. And those agents of Maya when we have some opulence, people will come to uh, take advantage of that for their own sense gratification. In other words, on any level, there are six opulences that Krishna possesses in full. Beauty, knowledge, wealth, strength, fame and renunciation. These are the six opulences of Bhagavan. And as his parts and parcels, we also have these opulences. And it is these opulences that make Krishna all attractive because he has these opulences in full. And to the extent we manifest these opulences, we will also become very attractive, even in this world. People are attracted to someone who is beautiful, someone who is very intelligent, someone who is very strong, someone who is very famous, someone who is very renounced. Uh, so, Krishna explains through the mouth of Queen Kunti that the greatest disqualification for spiritual life are these opulences. She says that beauty, knowledge, high education, a high birth, physical strength, these are the greatest disqualifications because they make one proud for one thing and they attract the respect of others who will want to give us sense gratification. Ultimately, in this material world, people give you sense gratification so that they can get sense gratification. <coughs> so therefore, if we have these opulences, 
in, we all have to some extent, but if we have them in such a way that it is attractive to the people in general, then we are in a very, very dangerous situation, very dangerous. And therefore, one must be very, very careful and really, really take shelter of the position of being just a menial, humble servant and present yourself only as that. Because if you don't, then you'll be intoxicated and infatuated by how Maya is coming before you to make you think that you are something very wonderful, something very great. So King Pururava was a very great heroic king. He was handsome, he was wealthy, and he was very powerful. And because of that, his fame grew and was reaching so many places. It even reached Indraloka, where Narada Muni was explaining the glories of this great king. And the most beautiful of all the courtesans, of all the apsaras in the court of Indra, whose name was Uravati, she heard about this very handsome, strong, famous man who was so wise and full of virtues. And she was attracted. So she came down and she presented herself before him in such a loving, gentle way. And she presented her beauty in such a way. And she, ex she expressed her appreciations for him and her love for him in such a way that he became infatuated. And that was the beginning of the end for his peace of mind in life. You must know that this propensity to be God means the propensity to be the object of love. And when someone comes to show you love on a material level, then what it does is it really, really makes you taste the sweetness of being God being the attractive one, being the object of love. And you become, because that person is giving you that sense gratification of being the object of their love, you become, you, you enjoy them because of their enjoyment of you. And then you can't do without them. You become attached. This is how Maya works, so clever, so tricky. Anyone who's attached to you, you become attached to that. Why? Because they're giving you that, that, that enjoyment of being the attractive one. So, Uravasi came to Pururava. Oh, you are so handsome, and you are so strong, and you are so famous, and you are the embodiment of all good qualities. And just see, I am very beautiful, and we were made for each other. Let us enjoy. So, in this sense, we should know that if in any level we start becoming famous for anything, you can know that Maya is going to take advantage of that to send allurements and attractions to divert your attention from the humble service of your spiritual master and Krishna. Murvasi <coughs> came, ah, and pretty soon King Pururava was utterly um, affectionate toward her. And they decided to marry 
And she said, I will marry you only under the condition that you never have, you never allow me to see you without clothes unless we're having sex in bed together. Because although she was very much into sense enjoyment, she had, coming from heavenly planets, she had some sense of morality, some sense of decency. She said, also, you never give me anything to eat except that which is cooked in ghee. And also, I have these two little lambs that are very dear to me. You must protect them just as you would protect me. And Kuru Rava said, yes, yes, anything. So as time went on, Indra was very lonely without her. His whole court, with all of his other beautiful damsels, was empty without Uravasya. So he sent some Gandharvas that you go get her bring her back. So while King Purava and Urvasi were laying in bed together without clothes, enjoying this, the material pleasure of sex life, at that time these Gandharvas came and stole the two lambs of Urvasi and began to fly in the air with them. And the lambs were crying and screaming, help, help. And Urvasi became very angry. She said, what do you want to do? You call yourself a great king. You are impotent. You are a coward. These people are stealing away my beloved lambs and you're laying here trying to enjoy with me in bed. What kind of chachri are you? Get them if you have any sense of, of, of manliness. And of course, when a woman says like this to a man who is attached to her, it is very much like sharp arrows in his heart. So he picked up his sword and jumped out of the bed and ran into the sky. And when the Gandharvas saw him, they ran for their lives, left the lambs behind. But in the process, while they ran for their life, they cast a celestial light on King Pururava. And Urvasi looked up and saw that, she, that he was standing before her without clothes. So he broke the vow, so she left. the nature of love in this material world. To the degree you enjoy it, to that degree you will suffer tomorrow. But King Pururava was very devastated, completely devastated. He was so much longing for Urvasi that he could not rule the kingdom. He could not eat, he could not sleep. He was just laying in a puddle of tears, crying for her. And finally, when he had enough strength, he just started traveling the whole world looking for her. He renounced all other responsibilities. And for years and years, he searched. And finally, he met her. And she was with other men. How painful it was. And he begged, please, let me, let me be with you. And she said, you are such a fool. Don't you know that anyone who becomes attached to a woman's body for the purpose of sense gratification, all the miseries of material existence follow close behind? And she began to preach to him what a great fool he was, how he was wasting his human life in these material attachments and affections for sex, sense gratification. But he was so intoxicated that he could not hear a word she said. After a beautiful, beautiful lecture she gave him, 
He said, my only desire is that you come back to me. So it goes on in the Bhagavatam, he, how he performed tremendous tapasya. She said, yes, I will come one, one night a year, I will come back to you and have sex with you, and then I have to go. So 364 days, he was simply in total anxiety waiting for her to come. And he would enjoy that one night like anything, and then the next morning he would just be in an ocean of lamentation that he had to wait another year to see her. And then he performed all these very elaborate sacrifices to Lord Vishnu in order to have his desires fulfilled. And alas, he reached the place where Urvasi was and was allowed to live with her again. And then it describes, after some years of simply enjoying so much sense gratification, he became so morose, so much, that he just turned to Krishna and begged Krishna, please save me. And that realization of turning to Krishna after total material frustration due to to Buddha, so much attachment, he became a self-realized soul. So Krishna, in relating this story to Uravasi is explaining this verse that one should therefore avoid bad company and associate only with devotees with their realized instructions such saints can cut the knot connecting one with activities unfavorable to devotional person is we should understand however pious or impious a person may be if a person is not dedicating his life to the service of the Lord that person is a representative of Maya. It's not we hate the person, we feel sorry for the person, but we have to know that anyone who is under the influence of Maya, Maya is working through that person. And Maya's business is to work through everybody and anything she can to divert your attention away from Krishna whether it be family members, whether it be old friends, whether it be business associates. We should know that all these people are Maya's representatives. They're puppets in Maya's hands. They're just acting according to her desires. And if we're a devotee, you could know that she's going to be working through all these people to somehow or other, according to whatever way we are vulnerable to their influence, divert our attention away from Krishna. The way Maya works. Every type of relationship we have, we have some affection, and that affection makes us vulnerable. Spiritual affection is our greatest strength, but material affection is our greatest weakness. What was King Pururava's weakness? His affection to Urvasi. That was all. And because of that affection, Maya completely exploited him through that. So our affection to our parents, we feel obliged. Maya is going to use that to the maximum extent to keep you away from Krishna. Our affection to our old friends, we feel some conditioning, oh, we did so many things together and we helped each other so many times together. And of course, it's all relative. But Maya is going to utilize that affection. Yes, your old friends. This is, what are they going to think of you if you don't do what they are doing? 
You will be an outcast. I know Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, one of, one of his sannyasis, one time the sannyasi's ex-wife came and dragged him out of the mat. Not physically with her hands, but physically through her charms. And she just made him feel so obliged that, oh, you have left me, you have done like this, and I'm, don't you remember all the pleasures we had together and, and all the responsibilities that we shared together? And this man left. And Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, when he heard that his sannyasi was dragged away by his ex-wife, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur cried, he wept. And he said to his disciples that, I have... I have failed. I could not protect my disciple from Maya. That was his humility. So Bhaktisiddhanta saw that the whole thing was simply nothing but Maya. Maya is very strong. She knows just how to use everyone to their maximum extent to divert a devotee's attention away from Krishna. And, of course, she knows where our affections are. And wherever we have material affections, we're weak before Maya. And wherever we have detachment, we're immune to Maya. And wherever we have spiritual affection, we have great strength to combat Maya. So therefore, Krishna is telling Uddhava that one must avoid the association of materialistic people. One must develop affections with people who are only trying to help us to advance in spiritual life. And one must um, avoid having affectionate relationships with materialistic people. We can love the soul of that person, but we do not have affectionate relationships on a level of, of doing what they do. It is described that saints can cut the knot connecting one with activities unfavorable to devotional service. Because we already have so many affectionate relationships in this world due to our previous conditionings, what to do? The sadhu, sadhu means to cut. The sadhu's words cut our attachments from these materialistic propensities. The spiritually powerful message of Godhead can be properly discussed only in a society of devotees. And it is greatly pleasing to hear in that association if one hears from devotees, the way of transcendental experience quickly opens to him, and gradually he attains a taste and knowledge and in due course develops into attraction and devotion. This is the process of self-realization. This verse is being spoken by Lord Kapila Dev to Devahuti in the Bhagavatam. That <clears throat> There are so many people discussing um, 
Krishna Krishna conscious topics, spiritual topics. But unless that person is a sincere devotee of the Lord, and unless it is spoken in the association of sincere devotees of the Lord, it will be like a seed that only has the husk of the seed, the shell, but there's nothing inside of it. It will appear to be the seed, but there's nothing inside, it cannot grow. And when that seed is planted in our heart, it may immediately feel very nice, but it will not develop because there's no substance. So the glorification of God, the spiritual subject matter of Bhagavat, Ramayan, Gita, if it is spoken by someone who is not sincerely surrendering to the Lord as his devotee, it will appear like the Bhagavat. It will appear to be the word of God. But there will be no substance to it. Therefore, there will be no effect of the development of love within our heart. Therefore, Krishna explains is that the powerful message of Godhead can be properly discussed only in a society of devotees. Not people who just come to be entertained by the subject matter. The people who are sincerely and gravely hearing this subject matter for the purpose of purification and a change of heart and a change of life. Actually, people can be listening to Prabhachans for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, every day, every week, and we don't see any change taking place in their hearts. Why would that be? Because, there, because it is explained that this powerful message of Godhead can be properly discussed only in a society of devotees. People who are really striving to purify their lives through this, this association. Krishna explains, Kaviraj Goswami explains, a pure devotee constantly engaged in the loving service of the Lord is identical with the Lord who is always seated in his heart. Saints are my heart and only I am their hearts. They do not know anyone but me and therefore I do not recognize anyone besides them as mine. This verse is spoken by Lord Narayan in Vaikuntha. Sadhavo hridayam mayam sadhunam hridayam tuham maranyate na janam ti naham tebyo managapi. This was spoken at the time when Ambarish Maharaj was visited by Duravas Muni during the Dwadasi morning. It was the I believe what it is called, where you have to break your fast by a certain time in the morning, otherwise your fast is nullified. So Duravas Muni came at that time and he said, let me go to take my bath. 
this is at Madhuban in Vrindavan. Let me take my bath in Jamuna. So Durvas Muni, while he was in the Jamuna, he realized that it was the time to break the fast of Akadasi, so he drank water himself. Meanwhile, Ambarish Maharaj was thinking, what am I supposed to do? I cannot take prasad before my guests, but at the same time, if I do not break the fast, then my whole fast will be nullified, and I'm performing this fast for not only my own benefit, but for my whole kingdom. So he consulted with some Brahmins, and he took one drop of Charanamrit. Muni could tell that he had done this by his mystic power. He became very angry. Uncivilized man, you call yourself a king, you do not honor sadhus when they come to your house. He took a hair from his head and threw it on the ground, and a fiery demon was created. And Maharajan Barish saw this fiery demon, which was so powerful it could have consumed the entire earth. He was roaring, ready to devour Ambarish. He was not afraid at all. Very patiently, he just prayed to Krishna, if you want to kill me, my lord, then, then I can see you have come in the form of this demon, and I will welcome death. And if you want to protect me, why should I be afraid of this insignificant fire demon? So seeing the love and the devotion of Ambarish, not asking the Lord to protect him or anything, just asking the Lord, let me serve you in any way, in life or death. At that time, Lord Narayan sent his Sudarshan Chakra, which destroyed that demon, and then started chasing after Durvas Muni. Now, Durvas Muni was not on the level of Ambarish. When the Sudarshan Chakra came at Durvas Muni, he did not say, my Lord, you have come to me in the form of the Sudarshan Chakra. Now, if you want, you can kill me, or if you want, you can protect me. I have nothing to fear. I am your servant. He ran. He just started running away as fast as he could. When, he, when his running could not get away, he started flying. And he was flying everywhere. He was begging everyone for shelter. He went to Brahma. He went to Shankar. Please, give me shelter from this weapon. It is Vishnu's weapon. No one can give you shelter from Vishnu's weapon. Vishnu is a source of life and death. No one can escape him. You have to go to Vishnu. And he went to Vishnu. Durvas Muni, such a powerful yogi. He went to Vaikuntha. fell at the feet of Lord Narayan. For one full year he was running away from the Sudarshan Chakra, feeling the heat right behind him. And when he begged Vishnu, he begged, please, I, whatever I have done wrong, forgive me, but save me from this weapon. And what did Lord Narayan tell him? Sadhavo hridayam mayam sadhunam hridayam tvaham maranyatena jananti nahantevyo managati. But you have offended my devotees. And even I have no power to forgive one who offends my devotee. Why? Because the great sadhus, they are my heart. And I am, I, and only I am in their hearts. They do not know anyone but me, and therefore I do not recognize anyone besides them as mine. 
So he told the Ravasmini that my devotee is more important than me. If you offend me, I can easily forgive you. But if you forgive, offend my devotee, I'll never forgive you. Only my devotee can forgive you. Their love has me subordinate to them. Therefore, they are more powerful than me. Although they appear to be just humble servants walking around the world. All the power of God is theirs. So the Devasmuni ran back to Ambarish Maharaj, falling at his lotus feet, begging forgiveness. And Ambarish Maharaj only had one regret. That because of me, you have been put through so much inconvenience. I am so sinful. I'm very sorry. You have done nothing wrong. And in this way, Durvas was saved. So from this beautiful story of the Bhagavatam, we can understand how the Lord <clears throat> recognizes his devotees. And therefore, the Lord reveals himself only through such devotees. There is no other access to receiving the grace of God save and accept through his pure devotees or through those people who are truly, truly and genuinely surrendered to his will. Therefore, one who has scholarship, one who is a performer of great tapasya, we can get so many, so much information from them. We might even be able to get shakti, some spiritual powers from them. But bhakti cannot get from them. We can only get bhakti from one who is humbly surrendering their lives in the service of the Vaishnavas. One who is humbly surrendering their lives in the service of the Vaishnavas, they and they alone have the monopoly by God's own will to give bhakti to this world. And here, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami is explaining how important it is to associate with such persons. In fact, Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, at one time he was asked, what is the process of making spiritual advancement? How can I develop love of God? Asatsanga Tyaga Abhaishnava He said that you want to make spiritual advancement? The process is this. Give up association with those who are too much attached to sense enjoyment and those who are non-devotees. And always seek out the association of those who are my sincere devotees. It's very interesting how Lord Goranga describes the unwanted association in two classifications. He says those who are too much attacked, addicted to sense gratification, and those who are not my devotees. What does that mean? He could have just said those who are not my devotees. 
That means someone who is his devotee, but who is too much attached to sense gratification, you must avoid their association. They may be gradually making spiritual advancement, but they will be they will be very poison to you. If you cannot uplift them, you should avoid them. It is described even in our own vision of the Krishna consciousness movement. Sometimes people, they believe in Krishna, they take initiation, but then they fall into materialistic practices. And in many ways, they're more dangerous than the non-devotees to our spiritual life. Because we think we're associating with devotees, but actually we're engaging in sense gratification. It's like in, in, in America, sometimes there's a class of devotees, sometimes called fringies. We don't like to label people anything, but sometimes people call. It means they're not really following the principles. They've gone astray, but they still believe. They're still devotees. In one sense, they're glorious because they believe, but they're fallen. And usually they stick together. There's whole, there's whole little communities in different parts of people who are initiated. They believe in Krishna, they do puja, and after puja they all smoke marijuana together. And then they have another puja. Huh? And, they, and when you ask them, you know, you're breaking the principles, you're smoking marijuana, but at least I'm doing it in the association of devotees. True. I spoke with one devotee. He was he was married to a woman, and he was having an affair with another woman. They were not living in temples, but they were all initiated devotees. I said, "You're breaking the principles. You're having illicit sex." He said, "I know, I know, it's bad, but at least I'm doing it with a devotee." <laughs> So, at least, at least if I have to break the principles, I'll get purified in the process because I'm in the association of devotees. Intimate association with devotees. And even, uh, these are true stories. Sometimes I, I have seen carloads of devotees going to the cinema houses to see movies. Where are you going? We're going to see movie. What is the movie? 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 The thing with any spiritual thing. I said, well, what, what, is, what is the use of that? How is that going to help your Krishna consciousness? It's going to help because it, we're, I'm going in the association of devotees. So you see, this type of association is actually, in one sense, more dangerous in material association because we can easily justify to think that it's Krishna conscious just because we have spiritual names and we're wearing kanti malas. Huh? Just a grossly materialistic person who is doing these things, we would know, oh, this is very bad. But there's a subtle trick of Maya that she works through devotees. Therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explains 
that if you want to develop love of God, two things you must do. Avoid the association of people who are too much attached to sense gratification, even if they are devotees and non-devotees. And always associate by hearing and chanting and rendering service with sadhus, with sincere devotees of the Lord. And if one simply follows these two principles, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, that person will attain love of God. What does it mean to associate with devotees? Association of devotees doesn't mean something physical. It means something spiritual. It doesn't mean because we have the Kanti Mala and we have Doti and Tilak that we're having Sadhu Satsang. Association of devotees means Krishna, keeping Krishna as the center of our relationship. Having the mutual understanding that we're together to, to, to serve our spiritual master's desire. When our spiritual master's desire is the unifying force between us, that is association with the devotee. And if anything else is the unifying principle between us, it's not association of devotees. It's simply materialistic association. It's the association of maya. This is Kaviraj Goswami here. Is in the very first chapter of this greatest of all literature, Chaitanya Charitamrita. He's this one verse after another, after another, after another, to explain how vitally important it is to have a very, very high-level, serious association with devotees and to avoid the association of Maya and her representatives. Saints of your caliber are themselves places of pilgrimage. Because of their purity, they are constant companions of the Lord, and therefore they can purify even the places of pilgrimage. Kaviraj Goswami is quoting Maharaj Yudhisthira in his discussion with Vidura, where the, the, the sadhus, they are so dear to the Lord that the Lord appear, uh, empowers them with such purity that they can purify even the holy dams. When King Bhagirath was ap appealing to Mother Ganji to come to this earth planet. At that time, she would only come as low as the heavenly planets. She would not come to the earth in order to deliver his forefathers, his uncles. She said that I cannot come to the earth planet because although my waters are pure in the Ganga, Ganga originates from the perspiration of the body of Vishnu washing the lotus feet of Vamanadeva as he pierced through the, the universe, came into this universe. And Goddess Ganga directing the affairs, the, the Ganges water is, is her very body. And she's a pure spiritual expansion of the Lord. And she explained that the earth planet people are so sinful 
And my nature is that anyone who bathes with me, I take their sins. And people are going to come and they're going to bathe in me and they're going to just dump all their sins in me and I'll become polluted. And what was Bhagirat's argument? Who remembers? That when, if one pure devotee bathes in you, because Krishna is so much manifesting in his heart, he has such a power to purify. If one pure devotee bathes in you, then all the sins of all the sinners will be neutralized. And when she heard this, she said, yes, what you are saying is correct. That is the power of the Lord's servants. So why do people go to Haridwar? Why do people go to Rishikesh, to Kashi? Primarily, they go to bathe in the Ganges. Why do people go to Kumbh Mela? A few years ago, there was 14 million people that went to Kumbh Mela. Correct? 29. How many? 29. 29 million. 29 million people went to this Kumbh Mela. And most all of them, their only purpose was to take that. Uh, we'll see some sadhus on the way, we'll see what the arrangements are. But most of them, their main goal was to somehow or other take that. Go through all the crowds, risking their lives, risking suffocation and everything through these crowds, just to take that. Coming from all parts of India. This, this is a holy place because of the Ganga, Jamuna, Saraswati, taking that. the great power of these holy places. But it is described by Adoita Charja that all the holy places are within the feet of a devotee who is sincerely surrendering to the order of Krishna. And it is described that those materialistic people who are trying to seduce us through some, some sort of pressure to work on our tendencies for mundane affection, that all of Maya's powers are being manifested through them. So therefore here we find very, very Rupa Goswami explains that this is the two most important preliminary principles to really grasp and understand before you can go on and make any real spiritual progress. You must understand the importance of associating with sincere devotees and the importance of avoiding materialistic association with materialistic people. And Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami is making this very, very, very clear before he begins the beautiful Leela of Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Chaitanya Charitamrita, he is pleading with his readers to kindly grasp these preliminary principles so that you can really enter into the divine um, sweetness of Chaitanya Charitamrita.
and he's explaining that even this Chaitanya Charitamrita will have no power unless it's heard and chanted in the association of sincere devotees. <coughs> greatest gift of God, the company of his devotees. Is there any questions? Sometimes because we are not yet pure completely and uh, we may be having relationships uh, which are not on a spiritual platform or relations may not be on the transcendental platform. How do we differentiate between by submissively hearing, you learn how to discriminate. By submissively hearing, we learn what is Krishna consciousness and what is not Krishna consciousness. And wherever Krishna consciousness is being shared, that is the association of devotees. And wherever, wherever anything else is the object of our unity, we should understand that it is not conducive to our spiritual life. If we are gossiping, if we are criticizing others, if we are talking nonsense, we should understand that even if you're talking to a sannyasi, that's not association. If the motive is material sense enjoyment. But if we're discussing Krishna conscious service, Krishna conscious subject matter, having kirtan together, having readings together, that is that is the highest, purest form of association of devotees. Trying to discuss how we can best serve our guru together. Very easy. Hmm? The devotees are going to buy ice cream somewhere because it tastes good. It's not sad, it's not something. 